On today's show, the Hawks fall short in Charlotte thanks to some very poor shooting, in particular from the standout guards on the roster. And there are other things to discuss as well. From the first of 82 games that are scheduled for the Hawks this year, it is an 0-1 start, and we'll talk about it all in detail coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1575 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Wednesday into Thursday. And today's show is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA for first deposit match up to $100 at Price Picks. And also at the top of the podcast, I always encourage you, and I still will today, to make us your first listen each and every day on the show Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify, as well as Overcast, Google Podcasts, and we're also on YouTube on the video side. And speaking of which, I'm coming to you live from Charlotte, where I was up uh, in the um, sort of facility at the Spectrum Center, talking about, discussing, watching, taking it all in with regard to what became a 116-110 to loss for the Hawks on the road in Charlotte to begin their season on a um, less than spectacular note for sure. The Hawks actually won their last four openers in at least four seasons in a row before this, but that, that, that streak has not come to an end. They live by as many as 11 points in the first half. They're at four in the fourth quarter at one point. I guess the team that's not as good as the Hawks are, and you're, not, and you're not supposed to lose those games. But in the end, the big takeaway, we'll talk about this a lot in the next few minutes, is the offense just was not good enough, mostly from Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, and also just three-point shooting really gross across the board. That was the number one and number two reasons why. This was a, ended up being a loss for the Hawks. There's still more to talk about than that, for sure. That's kind of where I want to start today's podcast. And really, that's sort of the recipe to lose a game that you shouldn't lose. And that's basically what happens when you just cannot get a shot to go down. And then defensively, as Quinn Snyder talked about after the game, uh, sort of the tendency is to let up a little bit when you can't when you can't score and you can't make shots. And that kind of happened in the fourth quarter. It was a perfect storm in some respects. But even then, big picture, it's a narrow loss on the road. Yes, the Hawks were favored in this game. We'll talk, we'll talk about it in a second more but not by a ton, and Charlotte full strength is not a terrible team, etc. Still, it was unsatisfying, I'm sure, and I want to begin talking about the offense with a little bit more depth. Now, in the end, the Hawks had a 107 offensive rating in this game, which is very poor, and it was actually much worse than that for a large portion of this game. While the Hawks were uh, on the short end of this, they scored 37 points in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was basically a bonanza of offense on both sides, and even then, the Hawks were not able to make a ton of threes in, that, in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, the offense was just very unsatisfying. And for an offense first team, you can't really withstand that. Um, the headliner, again, is probably the fact that the Hawks were, were 5 of 29 from three-point range. That is, of course, 17%. You're going to lose when that happens more often than not in the NBA. They also were um, 3 of 10 in the fourth quarter, which is better than that. That actually made the numbers look better. They were 0 of 10 on corner threes. That is, those are supposed to be the easier ones, the more high-percentage shots from three-point range. 0 of 10, they're usually not self-created, open shots, also not enough attempts. 29 attempts per game last year would have been second lowest in the league, so they're going to want to get up more of them. I'm sure like Quinn's talked about that already to the team in game, but you obviously have to make some of those, and I want to at least note that. And then from there, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young combined to shoot 7 of 33 from the floor and 2 of 12 from 3. 7 of 33 from the floor. 
they weren't alone by any means. This, but this is a team built on offense around those two guys in particular. It's not impossible to win when they struggle, but it's much, much harder for the Hawks to succeed, especially on the road when both of them don't have it, and they didn't have it in this game. Um, elsewhere, the Hawks did shoot reasonably well inside the arc, and I 50, 58 points in the paint. But, so it wasn't like totally off the rails there, but it wasn't good enough. They had good rim frequency, but also missed some shots around the rim, particularly in the first half. Um, they were 10 of 28 from floater range and mid-range. That's very much below average, so they couldn't get really anything to go anywhere. They got some good fast break stuff in the first half, but only, um, I think they kind of calmed down a lot after halftime. They did pretty well on the glass offensively in this game, and the bright spot on offense was probably the free throw line. They actually got 33 attempts. That's a lot for this Hawks team. Some pretty aggressive stuff in there, but they just could not make a shot, and then that's not necessarily sophisticated analysis, but it really was true in this game. It was a little bit clunky at times, a little bit less movement, and egalitarian stuff that we saw in the preseason, which is certainly to be expected on some level. I think especially when Capella and Hunter were on the floor together, it was a little, a little bit clunky there, but I think it was much more about just poor shot making and the fact that Trey and DeJounte just had rough games at, 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 at sort of at the same time. That's not going to be easy to overcome. In fact, no one on the team made multiple threes in this game. The only guy who shot better than 25% was Jalen Johnson, who was one for three. So there you go. Uh, defensively, it was not too bad till the fourth. The fourth was not was not fantastic, which we'll, which we'll come back to later on. But they held the Hornets to like a reasonable number, about 112 offensive rating. That's not good, but it's not disastrous. But you know they were they were just much better as far as shot making was concerned. Charlotte actually was 12 of 17 from floater range. That's 97th percentile. They made a lot of relatively difficult shots around, not necessarily at the rim, but around the rim. They were also 97th percentile on all twos away from the rim. So basically all the stuff from three feet to the end of to the three-point line was uh, strongly in favor of Charlotte. There's some noise in there as well. They did have 34 assists. They moved, they moved the ball very well. The Hawks were not great defensively. They were better early on than they were late, but that was not really the, the, the bigger problem in this game. Quinn did note after the game that he liked the defensive effort, generally speaking, which I tend to agree with, but and really was the, sort of on film as well. But he did say, and I, I will definitely say this as well, they had trouble containing the ball keeping it in front of them, and that's been an issue for a long time with this Hawks team. The perimeter defensively is not fantastic. It's been probably their single biggest personnel weakness in the last year plus, and that's still the case on this roster despite some of the uh, hope of internal improvement, et cetera, et cetera. Before we talk about the observation from this game, some additional context that's probably important here. Um, this is actually the first time the Hawks opened the season in Charlotte since 2000, so that's a long time, but it has not been a kind venue for Atlanta. Uh, the last three years, of course, they played their tw they played two, two, twice in a row. Sorry, twice every year. They were three and three in Charlotte. That's not too bad, but they had lost seven in a row before that. So they're actually now, I believe it is, three and 11 in the last 14 trips to Charlotte. Not great. Um, the Hawks were four-point favorites, according to our friends at FanDuel, in this game um, because Charlotte had some injury issues. And, of course, the Hawks are just presumed to be better than the Hornets. And I agree with that, but not, not necessarily on this night. And uh, by the way, one note on the availability for the Hawks. We did talk about this yesterday on the show on the preview, which had my final predictions in it as well. But Wes Matthews was already ruled out for this game with a calf strain. But the Hawks announced later in the day on Wednesday that he actually had an MRI that revealed that calf strain. He's actually going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So reevaluation does not mean return. I always say that on this podcast, but it's certainly the case, which means Wes is going to be out for a while. Not that he was going to play. I do believe that the nine guys who played in the game tonight, which we'll talk about later on, we're going to be the nine guys who played no matter what. But I do think that um, I was kind of thinking that Wes Matthews might be the 10th at times if they needed another guy, uh, but not for the next two weeks. So we'll see at least, a week, at least the next two weeks. So perhaps an opportunity for somebody else, Garrison Matthews or whoever you want to point to, Kobe Bufkin perhaps. Um, but no Wes Matthews for a while. 
And uh, we'll see how they sort of handle that if they have to go beyond the top nine in the near future. All right. With all of that said, we'll have more of the detail and the observation from this game, how the game sort of flowed back and forth along the way. But first, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Ibotta, and big holidays mean big family get-togethers. You don't have to spend all that money on Thanksgiving spread without getting something back in return, and that's where Ibotta comes in. With Ibotta, you get your turkey and all your favorite sides for free. Starting November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving you 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Add the offers in the app to redeem everything that you actually might need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of different items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Make sure you're beating the inflation no matter what you happen to be purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't actually amount to much. With, with Ibotta, though, you get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, to PayPal, or to gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of different online brands and retailers, too, when you're operating with Ibotta. That includes places like Lowe's or Macy's or Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app right now. Use promo code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store right now. Download the free Ibotta app and use the promo code LOCKED when you get there. That is I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use promo code LOCKED. Check out Ibotta today. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks, and Price Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. And at Price Picks, you pick two to six players and choose whether they have more or less than their Price Picks projection. You can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. And at Price Picks, it's just you against the numbers. No compete against other people. Just you against the projections. An entry there can be made in just one minute or less, which makes life very much easier for you. And Price Picks offers improved deposit and withdrawal experiences, including the option to use Apple Pay for quick deposits. PriceFix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers, including weekly promos like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. And they have a huge selection of sports and stat types not offer anywhere else. They offer projections on the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, and many more sports. They're operational in more than 30 states now, plus Canada, plus PriceFix. is the best way to have action in more than 70% of the country. I've really enjoyed checking out PriceFix during baseball season this year and for the first time, honestly. And now I'm looking forward to this all the way through the NBA season, as well as through football season, et cetera. There's plenty of offerings at PrizePix. It's really an awesome experience on the whole. It's easy, it's fun, and I highly recommend it. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. It's promo code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out Daily Fantasy Sports made easy with PrizePix. All right, now we'll dive into the observations and the sort of game flow in this one. The first two buckets of the year actually were ironically mid-range jump shots from Trey and DeJounte, both of whom missed a lot of shots in this game. Neither were bad shots, but it was kind of funny after all the talk about threes and attacking the paint and also you know, foreshadowing how bad they were the rest of the night. Um, DeJounte was was covering LaMelo Ball early on in the game. Trey had him as well at times due to, due to some matchup concerns. Um, I thought that they actually got a, a nice match matchup with Hunter against Ball at one point. Um, basically went right, flew, right through him. It was very sloppy on both of the floor from both teams, actually, early on. The Hawks were 0-5 from 3 in the early going, three turnovers, kicking around a little bit. Charlotte had the first big run, 11-4, prompted a timeout. Uh, rotationally, it was exactly what you expect, at least what I expected. It was uh, Bogey and Jalen as the first two subs for Sadiq Bay and Trey Young. Um, got Later later on, Jalen came back, with actually played with Capella. That was interesting to see. And Griffin for Hunter, a combo for Capella. Uh, Capella actually got, got hit in the face, went right to the locker room, and Quinn said he was sort of you know proud of he stuck it out and was able to come back in the game. But um, usual stuff there, and then Trey came back into Ecker the second unit later on. But it was a nine-man rotation. It was the nine that we all expected, so no further analysis to give really at this point in time on that front. Other than the fact that Snyder talked about after the game, kind of uh, 
what I've been saying a lot on this show, but I know there's a lot of focus on the starting lineups. It was Sadiq Bey starting this game. No surprise there after the finale of preseason, which we kind of speculated was going to be the case. But basically, Quinn talked about how it's not a binary. And we saw in this game even, both Sadiq and Jalen played 29 minutes. That's plenty for those guys. I know everyone wants to do more Jalen, and he was probably the only bright spot. It was the biggest bright spot in this game for sure. But um, it's not necessarily like they have to play a certain amount of minutes. Like they're both able to play together if they need to. So there's plenty to go around, I would say. And Quinn was kind of sharing that message after the game. Um, Hawks had a nice response after the Charlotte run. A nice finish from AJ Griffin in the early going, and then a lob from Bogey to Jalen. They actually had three straight dunks at one point in the first quarter. Two of them were by Jalen, including one that was very funny where Trey kind of stumbled on a fast break. And I wasn't sure if he was throwing a lob or not. He threw it off the backboard. Uh, Jalen was way behind him, but actually still made the play to uh, catch and then gather and dunk. Uh, Bogey had a pretty shocking dunk in transition as well. Wasn't surprised that he actually made the play, but he was, I was surprised that he dunked it. The Hawks were leading early on despite poor shooting. Of course, they cooled off even more so from there. Um, it was Trey and the other bench guys in the second quarter, other than Bogey came back in for A.J. Griffin at the three, actually, for a while. Um, they pushed him tempo much more often in the first half, which was good to see. Defensively, a little bit of a hiccup in the middle of the quarter. They finally made their first three after 17 minutes, and it was actually kind of ironic, again, because of all the stuff I talked about earlier with all the bad shooting. I thought the worst in terms of like percentage likelihood of it going in three point attempt the Hawks had probably in the whole first half was the one was the first one they made, which is kind of funny. They were 0 of seven, and Jalen Johnson. It wasn't even a terrible shot. Like I'm not saying it was awful, but it was a off the dribble like semi contested three by Jalen, who isn't necessarily an established shooter at this point in time. And they'd already missed a bunch of the row that were pretty good looking shots. So it's kind of just you know variants in a nutshell. They're up to as many as 11 points. The bench that was their best stretch of the entire game was the middle of the second quarter. It was kind of the bench plus Trey, and they were flying around. Bogey Jelly played 14 minutes in a row, basically. That was interesting to go kind of see that. Uh, but they let down late in the first half when the starters started to come back in the game. Trey was very bad at the end of the first half, like notably missed a bunch of shots on the perimeter, turnovers, et cetera. Offensively, it was really rough. They were 1 of 12 from three in the first half. Again, it, it didn't get much better from there. Uh, Jalen had 13 in the first half. That was good to see, but – they ran into a lot of Mark Williams in this game. I thought he was quite good, actually, for Charlotte. Not, not a Hornets podcast, but I thought he was a huge deterrent at the rim in this one. Defensively, it was pretty good from the Hawks in the first half. In fact, they had nine steals. They had 12 in the game. That's way, way, way more than their average. So they were always active there, but that was kind of the only bright spot was the defense in the first half. Um, after halftime, a couple of blown you know, communications assignments. In fact, this is one that Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com showcased in this game. Kind of left Lamelo open, um, Lamelo ball open for a three-point attempt that kind of get, got him going. He had had a, a pretty slow start in the first half, and uh, I believe it was Murray and Hunter kind of blew a switch or blew a communication, and that left a, an open shot that kind of got his uh, his confidence up. It seemed like Hunter had four fouls actually midway through the third quarter. It actually went back to Jalen pretty quickly at that point, alongside Sadiq Bay, uh, and then Bogey came in after that. The Hornets had a possession in the third quarter where they got four consecutive offensive rebounds. Um, some some of those were kind of unlucky with long rebounds, but it's not what you want, obviously. Also, Hunter had a very bad non-box out that led to one of those rebounds. The Hawks were down by seven at one point in time. Um, the, a pretty ugly quarter on the whole. They lost it 20, 27-21. Uh, the one bright spot there, Jalen Johnson had his career high in scoring before the end of the third quarter. Not something you often see. But the Hawks scored 21 points on 25 possessions in the third. That is very, very bad. 84 offensive rating. They were uh, 30% or so from, from the field in that quarter. Just couldn't make a shot. I know it was. I'm saying that a lot, but it really was the whole theme of the night in a lot of ways. In the fourth, it was better for a while. They had a nice high-low from Jalen to Okongwu for three-point play early in the fourth quarter. They had a nice cut for three-point play as well. It was actually a review for a flagrant foul 
might end up being a common foul in the end. But the Hawks went up by nine. Sorry, went up by as many as four points after a nice run. Um, they got going a little bit. Trey was better in that stretch. They finally got one to go down with um, that bay that bay three. They played some actually huge wing lineups. It was Hunter, Bay, and Johnson together at the two, three, and the four. And Bay actually had eleven points in like four and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, and then Kong was on the floor for that run. He got he got his fifth foul, came out of the game. Um, the Hornets actually got hot once again from three point range and back to back threes. Um, and despite a dunk in between them by Capella, it was still a pretty big swing in favor of Charlotte. They just kind of made more shots in this game. There was a timeout with 412 to go and the Hawks down by two. They were going with Johnson in place of Bay and the rest of the starters at that point in time. And that was the right choice. I mean, Jalen was their, if not their best player, I think he probably was their best player, but if not, he was certainly deserving of being on the floor. And Snyder has talked about this, and I actually kind of buy it that they're going to be looking at this. It's not, they're not going to have a fixed closing five. I think there are two guys who are virtually assured to close games, and it's Trey and Ajante. And the other three spots are pretty fluid between obviously one of Clint or our neck is going to be on the court, and then you got the uh, the combination of you know maybe AJ or Bogey, and then you throw in Hunter, Sadiq, and Jalen for uh, two of those spots. So there you go. Um, anyway, the Hornets went up by four points after uh, a dunk by P.J. Washington trying to take a charge that Trey Young was uh, trying to get in there, but didn't really work out very well for him. They dodged up, actually a couple of open shots that they allowed to Charlotte in the fourth quarter. But Trey got a couple of good shots that just didn't get going to go. Um, Murray missed one from eight feet with about two minutes to go. That was a good look, just didn't have it go down. Um, suddenly they're down by six with like a minute and 30 to go. Uh, a pretty bad shot by DeAndre Hunter, a step back three that he missed pretty badly. Fortunately, that didn't, that didn't really bite them. They got the offensive rebound and scored. But the next possession, uh, Murray found Capella going to the rim, who kind of has to shoot that ball. I mean, he, he tried to overpass it, um, ended up being a turnover. That was kind of a dagger in some respects against the Hawks. They still were kind of in the game because Trey hit a three, to, which is exactly what they had to have. They are done by six. They called timeout. They put Bay into the game, which they finally needed to do with either Bay or Bogey at some point to have more shooting on the court. But Trey made a three to make things interesting to get back within six. Sorry, get back within three, but they couldn't get the, uh, the stop that they kind of needed to. Um, Terry Rozier got kind of got a floater to go up by five, and they were, were kind of just like drawing and drawing and drawing behind the sticks, basically, is a football reference, and that was kind of the end of that. So they got a couple of, uh, again, I think Trey missed a three in the final seconds to kind of be uh, ultimately dead, and that's pretty fitting because they just could not make a shot the entire game, including Trey. The fourth quarter um, was their really their only bad quarter defensively. The uh, Hornets shot 59% from the floor, and they were 4 of 10 from three with 10 free throw attempts in the fourth led to 38 points again the hawks were scoring more in the fourth when they went more offensive offensive lineups but it was a, a bit of an adventure let's just say so all that said i mean the second half was what it was um you know it was the middle of the game that the hawks really lost not really the fourth quarter i know they led in the fourth by four points but they were up by as many as 11 in the first half and it got away from them after that so um we'll talk about the plus minuses and more in a second but obviously the bench was better than the starters in this game Everyone that watched the game knew that. Um, really, the only starter who had a decent plus minus, minus two was Sadiq Bay, and because he played a lot with the bench. So, anyway, we'll see that. I'm sure flip sometimes. And look, one of the structures I would say that's core to this Hawks team this year is that they know and they're leaning on this that they're like six through nine. They're the guys who played off the bench in this game, but in particular, guys like Bogey and Akongwu, and then I would say throw in Jalen at this point in time. Those guys are better than the six through nine on really most, if not all, teams in the league. That, that, that's a top five bench quartet, I would say. So they're going to hope that the bench unit wins their matchups a lot, but the stars were bad in this game. And that also is tough to get overcome. And we'll talk about that more in a second. We'll talk about the individual player stuff that's coming up 
in a moment. But first, before we get to the individual player breakdowns, and we all do that on the podcast, by the way, at the end of the at the end of the uh, podcast after games, we talk about all the players who appeared and uh, reference how they kind of played and my observations there. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Step into the action this NFL or NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, if you're a new customer, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed with FanDuel. Beyond the awesome perks of right now signing up with FanDuel, they have all the stuff you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe and secure at FanDuel. They cover the entire range of sports as well. They have the NFL, college football, of course, NBA, MLB, College basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, you name it, it is there for you at FanDuel. They have all kinds of Hawk stuff as well. Um, you know, live betting tonight in the middle of the game. I had a, a lot of swings there at FanDuel, I'm sure, but, you know, pregame over-unders, et cetera, and the Hawks will be fa- facing the Knicks on Friday. You'll have all of your odds available for that game as well in advance of that tip-off for the home opener. And now is the best possible time to sign up at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and check out the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you absolutely do not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, and to the individual stuff in this game, as I sort of talked about before the break, the bench was certainly more effective on the whole, at least when they were playing together in this game than the starters. We'll start there. AJ Griffin, as I referenced a few times in the last couple of weeks, actually, if you missed any of those podcasts. By the way, we are very busy on this podcast channel and have been all summer long. So if you're just finding us now, go back and listen to the preseason stuff. Um, all kinds of good stuff there that still pretty much applies at, the, at this point in time. But anyway, as discussed, AJ Griffin is pretty clearly the ninth guy out of nine. Um, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, he's a second year player, but he played 10 minutes. He had two points. It was actually a very nice bucket that he had. Two rebounds, had a turnover, but was fine. Just didn't play a ton, and that's okay. I think the Hawks and Quinn Snyder talked about this a lot. He likes to play nine guys, and as far as like in comparison to more than nine guys, if he, if he can help it, AJ is nine of nine, and that's okay. I think he's going to play, if not every night, probably 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 every night if I had to guess, but uh, maybe a little bit minimal minimally in close games like we saw tonight. Uh, Congo played 19 minutes. He was limited because he had five fouls, and that's been a topic that we've talked about a ton. I'm a big fan of Kongwu. I talked about that a lot this week on the show when he signed his extension. I love that deal for the Hawks. If you missed anything on that, that's my short answer is that I thought it was an awesome deal for the Hawks side. But Ineka does have a foul, a foul problem. It's gotten better every year. I will say that. It's improved his foul rate, but he had five fouls in 19 minutes tonight. And uh, he was good when he played. But like not like not dominant by any means. He had some he had some like he's some shortcomings, but they were good when he was on the floor. He just wasn't able to play a lot because of the fouls. But seven points, four rebounds, and two assists for Nyeka in 19 minutes. Bogey was hit and miss. Um, three of nine from the floor. He was not immune to the shooting stuff that everybody had in this game. One of five from three, seven points plus six in his th- 24 minutes. Did have three steals. Active stuff there. Uh, he was not alone, by the way. Had four assists as well. Uh, Bogey helps the offense, but defensively, I thought he was kind of rough at times, which is not anything uh, terribly new at this point, but I thought he was just okay. Um, he's got to make more shots and, and or better defensively than he was in this one. Jalen Johnson, uh, awesome night for Jalen. In fact, a career high. The Hawks had two career highs in this game. Neither one were by rookies. You don't often see two career highs in the same game, much less the season opener, but that happened tonight. 21 points for Jalen to lead everyone on the team other than Trey. Um, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, nine for two from the floor, one of three on three. So he was actually uh, eight of 10 on twos. That's the line for four attempts. It was two of four there. Um, look, I think people are prone to overstating things. Like there was a lot of talk about how he's their best player or whatever. He was the best player tonight, probably. I thought Jalen looked great. Um, is he always going to be this good? Probably not. 
but I thought he was very, very effective, and he jumped off the screen. Obviously, athletically, he is a marvel. He can't be matched with anyone anyone on this team right now with his length and his burst and the way that he can go end-to-end. But, uh, yeah, I thought he looked great. So does that mean he has to start? No, obviously. Um, I think that I would be okay, as I said before, if he did start. But I think that Quinn, um, I'm sure, saw this coming where uh, there's just too much talk about who starts. I, I don't particularly care. Um, that's my opinion. But no matter what, if Jalen plays this well, he'll force himself on the floor plenty. 29 minutes in this game. It wasn't like he was underutilized. So uh, he was by far the biggest bright spot in this game for the Hawks. And uh, that's obviously fantastic in game one of year three for Jalen Johnson. To the starters, um, Sadiq Bey, 29 minutes, minus two. He was, that was the best in the lineup. Um, 15 points and a career high, five steals. He was very active with his hands. Um, defensively, um, that, that's obviously the big thing is the steals, but he wasn't great beyond that, but still uh, played physically. I thought he played pretty well on the whole. Good to see him play well. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, nine points in 31 minutes, actually fouled out, four rebounds and an assist. I don't think he was very good in this game. I don't think he was absolutely awful either, but I don't, I don't think he was very good. Um, that's kind of where I would leave it for now. He was not necessarily uh, terribly like aggressive as a as a as a ball mover in this game. A little bit, a little bit more like back to stagnation than he was in the preseason. I thought, and then defensively, I thought he was fine, but he didn't make a huge difference either. You know, no steals, no blocks is pretty typical for Hunter, but no turnovers. Like only took one or two bad shots. I don't think he was bad. He just didn't do a ton. Like jump off the screen to me. In this one, uh, Clint Capella, 15.13 rebounds in 29 minutes. That's obviously just fine. I thought Clint was not particularly good, and particularly uh, when, when you compare that to his counting stats. Like, I thought he obviously he wasn't bad either, but you know, him and Mark Williams, I think Williams is really good in this game. And I think Capella offensively, a couple of bad moments, um, one bad turnover at the end, um, missed a couple of bunnies as well. Still shot to 6% on the floor, it wasn't like he was terribly inefficient, but I don't think he was particularly awesome in this one, despite the fact that I think his uh, his shortcomings get magnified too much by people on Twitter, et cetera. But I thought that Clint was, uh, it was definitely not not better than average for him by any means. And then the guards, like I talked about it before, but simply put, if you ask me one thing to say as far as why the Hawks lost this game, it was the fact that Trey and DeJounte were not very good. Uh, DeJounte, I thought was very bad, actually. 11 points, did have six assists, and one turnover, that's a, that's a good ratio. But defensively, he was not particularly good. And he was 3 of 11 on twos. That's a terrible number. 0 of 3 on threes, obviously not a huge problem there. But uh, he was not very good. Trey shot it even worse than DeJounte. 4 of 19 from the floor, 1 of 9 from 3. The bright spots, though, uh, at least in comparison, I thought Trey was a little bit better than DeJounte, number one, the nine assists. And also, he got to the line 15 times. So Trey is going to be able to do that. And that's one of Trey's um, ultimate powers that he uh, can overcome some of his other, other challenges with getting in the line. But neither guy was very good. I thought Trey actually played pretty well defensively for by Trey standards. But in the end, again, you cannot really take 7 of 33 from Trey and Ajante against anyone, especially on the road. I know the Hornets are not like considered to be awesome, but I believe, as I said on the, on the show recently, they're better than the people think they are probably. And I think that um, if you just said, okay, I, you know nothing else about this game other than the fact that the game is in Charlotte and Trey DeJounte shoots 733, do the Hawks win or not? Do, do the Hawks win or, the, or do they lose? I would have said lose. So, you know, it's not only that. I want to be very clear, but if, as far as takeaways are concerned, maybe number, number one on the list is the way that they shot it, at least shot it terribly in this one to go along with the team again, five of 29 from three. All right. Well, that's all I have on this particular game. Look, big picture, it's one of 82. I know, and I said this on Twitter tonight, no one's going to love that answer. I understand that. But it is truly like 
overreaction season baked it all into one here. It's 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 number it's the game it's the first game of the season. It's a division team. Uh, you're on the road, so like it's already a point or, point or two swing against you. Jalen played great, but other than that, like you know, prime for overreactions. The starting lineup didn't play well. That kind of feeds the beast when it comes to people uh, not loving the way that Quinn operated the rotation in this game. And I didn't love what they did necessarily in the fourth quarter at times, other than playing Jalen down the stretch, which was a good idea. But look, it's one of eighty-two. If they go, if they come home on on Friday and get blown out at home, that then you start to have your eyebrows raised. But look, it, it's one game. And uh, they were only three and a half, four point favorites in this game. They weren't like supposed to dominate in the end though. And it's something that I know my friend Dan, Dan Weiner actually shared with me on Twitter. And I agree, like this is an example of what the Hawks have been poor at doing the last couple of years. And that's just like beating teams you're supposed to beat. Um, that's something the Kings did fantastically well last year. That's why they won 48 games. They just beat teams they're supposed to beat. And the Hawks have not done that very well. Now, again, I don't want to overreact. In fact, I'm not overreacting. I'm consciously not overreacting to one game in which the Hawks just could not make a shot. And look, Trey even said it from the podium tonight. And he, and he said it in, in frustrated terms because he was obviously not very happy about the loss. But he basically said something like, you know, he, he gave some of the numbers on about the shooting and said, we're not going to do that very often. And I totally agree. Like, this is a team that I'm not really worried about the offense. Yes, there, there is a chance this team is more like the eighth best offense like they were last year than like the number two they were the year before. There's some nuance in there for sure. But um, I don't think they're going to have too many nights where they go 523, sorry, 529 from three, 0 of 10 from corner threes as a team, and then 733 from Trey Dejounte. Like, that's just a kind of a perfect storm of bad. So there you go. I'm not particularly worried, and we'll see how they fare on Friday. Speaking of Friday, the Hawks will face the New York Knicks at home in the home opener on Friday. I'm sure that'll be a very raucous environment down at State Farm. New York actually lost tonight as well at home to the Celtics. Obviously, a little bit better of, a t- of an opponent, um, but in a close game. And look, the Knicks are, for most people, projected to be a little bit better than the Hawks this year, according to FanDuel, according to some of the projections that you would see from national fe- national folks, et cetera. I had those teams pretty close together, to be honest with you, um, and it should be a good environment. But obviously, it will not surprise me if the Hawks are either you know underdogs or close small favorites in the game on Friday, despite being at home. So... That's a good measuring stick game. The Knicks are, um, at least they were good last year. I think they're expected to be good this year. So that'll be a nice challenge, and we'll see how they handle that. We'll see if the uh, same rotations involved. I, I imagine it probably will be um, after only one game. So stay tuned for that one. I don't, I don't know if I'll have a, a, a podcast in between those games. Probably not, unless there is news to touch on, because we had a very busy start to the week with the Economy news and all that stuff, predictions, et cetera. But still, this is the fourth show of the week, and uh, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we have been here all summer long. We will be here all season long um, after every game, in the middle of games, uh, you know, interviews with, with guests and all that kind of stuff, analysis, level-headed, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the breakdown on this fine Wednesday evening. In fact, it's now Thursday as I'm recording this podcast, so please stay tuned. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple, Spotify, also YouTube, likes, and uh, subscriptions very much appreciated. Five-star ratings and reviews. Follow the show on Twitter at Hawks. Follow me there at BT Roll if you'd like to. My Patreon stuff as well, written work, patreon.com slash Roland. I appreciate everybody listening to the show tonight, and we'll see you all next time.